Yeah, it's amazing to hear story after story. We'll hear another story next week. of People who are, are celebrating Christmas for the first time, knowing and understanding what it really means. And I think Dylan's smile says it all. The joy of what Christmas is supposed to feel because of who Jesus really is. And so Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. Welcome to Northridge Church. We're honored to have you here this morning. Welcome home. Welcome to the family. Let me welcome all of our families, our family out in Webster and Brighton, our online family, and to our family at our Rochester campus. Thanks for, for being here this morning. And we are, we're kind of in the middle of that countdown to Christmas. Once Dece- December begins, we have this 25 days, this countdown until the celebration of Christmas. And for many people, the the Christmas season can be exhausting. It can be tiresome. It can be weary because many of us, we get caught up in the, the hustle and bustle of Christmas. The hustle and bustle of of decorating your house and setting up your tree and putting your lights out. The the hustle and bustle of of baking cookies and, and making food and getting ready for your family or the travel you're going to do. The hustle and bustle of the shopping and making sure you got gifts for everybody. And and it can get exhausting and tiresome. And and what happens for many of us is in the Christmas season, we do all things Christmas. But maybe we miss out on some of the best things Christmas has to offer. You see, I believe one of the greatest things of Christmas is just being together with the people that you love. Being present with the people that you cherish. You see, I believe that the holidays should remind all of us about the power of presence. Now, I'm not talking about the presence under your tree. I'm talking about your presence and my presence being together with people. You see, I've been married for 15 years. I've been a dad for a little over nine years. And one thing that I've learned about my children, one thing that I've learned about my spouse, and and all the, the gifts that we give from Christmas to birthdays, one of the things that my kids and my wife desires more than anything from me is just to be with me. My kids just wanna spend time with not work dad, Not distracted dad, not dad with his cell phone, but just to be with dad. And the same is true with my spouse. She just wants to spend time with me. And the holidays for, for many of us remind us of how powerful, how important our presence really is. It's an opportunity for us to spend time together. And that tradition was started long ago by God himself. If you got your Bibles, Isaiah chapter seven. Isaiah chapter seven is where we're going to be today. I'd encourage you to grab uh, your Bible, your, your device. You can turn there, jump into the Northridge Church app. You can take notes along this morning. And let me read you a, a, a verse from Isaiah chapter seven that you might be pretty familiar with. It's a verse that is read pretty much every Christmas. It says this in verse 14. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. Here we see another name or title for this baby boy born on Christmas, Emmanuel. And, and that's what we've been doing. We started this series last week called My First Christmas. And our goal, our hope is to bring everybody back to that first Christmas feeling when you understand and you truly see Jesus for why he came and what he came to accomplish for you. 
And the way we're, we're getting back to that first Christmas excitement and lens is by understanding some of the names that Jesus was given at the first Christmas. Last week, we talked about his actual name, the name Jesus. It was a common and ordinary name in this culture, and yet in today's culture, the name of Jesus will ultimately be the name higher than any other name. It's the name Jesus, and we we recognize it means Savior, that Jesus came to rescue us from something we created but couldn't fix to save us from our sins. And today we're going to look at another title of Jesus, Emmanuel. And we see it in Isaiah chapter 7, but I would, I would suggest that most of us, we know this first, but we don't understand the context in which this title Jesus has came from. We're going to explore it today in Isaiah chapter 7. We'll start in verse 1. It says this, when Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Rezin of Aram, and Pekah, son of Ramelah, that's my best guess, you can go with whatever you feel like, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. So I would bet that most of us are not familiar with the background of Isaiah chapter 7. So let me just kind of paint a picture for you. The nation of Israel is actually divided into two kingdoms in this time period. There's the northern and southern uh, kingdoms. And here in Isaiah chapter 7, we're introduced to the the leader of one of those kingdoms, the, 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 the king of Judah. His name is Ahaz, and Ahaz is a wicked, wicked king. He's leading God's people away from God into idolatry. It was so bad that he sacrificed his son to a false god. And so Ahaz, the king of Judah, is leading the nation of Israel away from God. And anytime that happened in Israel, God usually just removed his blessing. He stopped protecting the nation of Judah. And and so here Ahaz, this ruler of Judah, has a problem. There are enemy forces teaming up together to, to battle against him, to wage war against him. There's, the, there's, this, there's, there's the, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Assyria are coming together to wage war against the kingdom of Judah. And so Ahaz is like, I, I gotta do something. And so rather than turn to God, he'd rather stay in his wicked ways, he makes an alliance with an even more ungodly kingdom, the kingdom of Assyria, And so God sends Isaiah, the prophet, to Ahaz. A prophet was just someone who spoke for God. God would speak to the prophet, and he would speak to God's people. And so Isaiah comes to King Ahaz. Look what he says. He says, says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And so Isaiah the prophet comes to King Ahaz and he says, hey, God will protect Judah. All you have to do is ask God for a sign. God is asking you to ask him for a sign. And so King Ahaz in his wickedness refuses. He says, I'm not gonna put the Lord, your God, to your test. Sounds really spiritual, doesn't it? In fact, it sounds like Jesus' words, right? That Jesus says in Matthew 4, don't put the Lord, your God, to the test. But Ahaz here is not being spiritual, He is so wicked that he knows that if God gives him a sign and God comes through, he'll have to believe in God. He'll have to follow God and change his ways. And he's not ready to do that. So he tells God, I don't want a sign from you. I won't put you to the test. And so God speaks again through Isaiah. And Isaiah said, hear now you house of David. 
Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So here in Isaiah chapter seven, the prophet gives many signs, some that were present for this day and some that were futuristic and the sign that we're zooming in here is this, this language, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. You see, this is not a name for Jesus. It's a title that he will wear. We know the name of Jesus is Jesus. And so Jesus now carries this title, Emmanuel. What does that mean? Emmanuel simply means God with us. That at the very first Christmas, God himself chose to leave heaven and come and dwell with humanity. And so we, we, we read it in a different way in, in the New Testament. John chapter one says this, it says, the word Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God is now physically present with his people. Now it's fascinating is this is not the first time God was present with his people. Now that might shock some of you, but if you go back to the beginning of your Bible in Genesis chapter one, when God made the world perfectly, God walked with humanity. Adam and Eve dwelt in the presence of God, nothing hindering them. They talked with God, they hung out with God until they chose to rebel against God until sin entered the world and it changed everything. And the most important thing that it changed was our relationship with God. God in his holiness could not interact with, with sinful humanity the way he did when sin didn't exist. And so our choice, and, and so the storyline of the Bible is once sin enters the picture, God throughout history has been restoring his presence with his people. We broke it and God pursues us to fix it. He's trying to restore just being present with his people and we see that thread, that line, all through the Old Testament, all the way to the birth of Jesus. You see, we see God's presence in the Old Testament. God was present in the Ark of the Covenant. God was present in the tabernacle. God's presence dwelt in the temple. And anytime Israel would lose the presence of God, it was never a good thing for them. But what was interesting about God's presence in the Old Testament is it really wasn't something to be experienced for all until Christmas came. Because it changed everything. Because now God was going to not just be with us, but he was going to be like us that his physical presence has arrived. God had entered the world as a human. Emmanuel has arrived. And there are three distinct significances about God being with us. The first one is this, it's a pursuit from the past. You see, God coming from heaven to earth reminds us of how God loves us. His love pursues us, that, that even though we broke it, even though our sins separated us from God and we couldn't fix it, God loved you enough to come from heaven to earth to fix a problem you couldn't fix. And what that reveals to us is this overwhelming, ridiculous, we can't make sense of it love that God has for us. That we're not deserving of it, we're not worthy of it, and yet God still freely gives it to you. 
And one of my favorite verses, it's a short verse that really just displays this for us, is Romans 5, 8. It says this, while we were still sinners, right? Sin, when we talked about this last week, what is sin? It's rebellion against God. While we were rebelling against God and his ways, when we were walking away from God, wicked, undeserving, he still loved us enough to come and die for us. And so we see this pursuit from the past. The second thing that we see is a comfort in the present. You see, we we all know this to be true. Life can be incredibly hard and difficult and painful. And the reason that is, is because sin is all over our world. Our world, we are tainted, we are cursed by sin. The the evidence of sin is everywhere around us. And one of the greatest evidence of sin is the pain and the turmoil and the hardship and the difficulty that every single one of us has to navigate. Some of you are navigating it right now. In a season of Christmas where everything's supposed to be holly and jolly, that's the last thing that you feel because of circumstances. The pain that you are walking through. And here's what I know about painful moments in my life. It is hard to walk through pain in isolation, alone. But when you walk through pain with somebody else, it always is encouragement. I remember when I was around 25 years old. And you know, they say that's your prime. Everything's supposed to be good. But what did I find myself doing? Laying on a hospital bed, getting ready to have lung surgery. The doctors had no clue what was going wrong with me. And so here I am going to have major surgery, wondering like, is this the end for my life and what God has for me? I remember waking up from the surgery in an immense pain, Tubes everywhere. I had an epidural in my back for eight days. And nothing could take away the pain except one thing no medicine. It was the comfort of the people who loved me sitting by my hospital bed, praying over me, hugging me, encouraging me along the way. Because life is difficult. We all know this to be true. And right now you might be feeling hardship in your life and you feel like you're alone. And even if no human is there for you, God reminds you he's always with you. He is presence is with you. And sometimes we wish God would take away our pain and our circumstances, but he doesn't always do that. But he promises to walk with you, to empathize with you, to understand and carry your burden with you because his presence is always near to comfort us. In fact, don't believe me, believe the words he says to you. Right, look what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Psalms 46 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Deuteronomy says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. You can be confident, why? For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And so his presence is a, is a pursuit and his love. It's a comfort in the present. And third, it's a promise for the future. That we can cling to the hope that one day this will all go away. 
And when it comes to this promise of the future, one thing that I think we as Christians, we often misview the the view of eternity is I think we think, man, heaven's gonna be so great because the streets of gold and and all the things that, that, that stink about this life are gonna be gone, and those are all true. But if you look at the storyline of the Bible, what makes heaven so great is that we are going to be with Jesus. That nothing will hinder our relationship with God. Nothing will get in the way. We will walk and talk with God Almighty. And if you study the Bible in the future promise, look at how God talks about how much he desires to be with us. Look what John chapter 14 says. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus speaking. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, why would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you may also be where I am. You see, Jesus says, what's so amazing about heaven, I'm gonna go prepare a place for you. I don't know why, because I want to be with you. Look what, look what Revelation says, the end of your Bible says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place, his home is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So we have a promise for our future that one day we will be with God forever. Nothing will get in the way of our relationship with him. Emmanuel has arrived. At the very first Christmas, Jesus came to be present with us, to be like us, and to be with us. And so this season, this holiday season, the Christmas season, is is a reminder for all of us about the power of presence. And I believe if, if if we look at our holiday in the accurate way, it will change the next 15 days we have that we prepare for Christmas. It'll change the way we act and the way we approach this actual holiday season. So let me challenge you in two ways as we have 15 more days left. The first thing I wanna remind you of is God's presence in your life will change you. So be present with him. You see, it's really easy in this time period that we have to get really busy. I mean, come on, let's, let's be honest. Christmas doesn't take away from our calendar, it adds to it. And there's so many things that we're even thinking about right now. You're like, oh, Christmas, I still have to do this and that. I still gotta schedule that. I still got presents to buy. And what that does is it builds a level of stress and, stress and pressure on our shoulders. And we get so busy and we get caught up in so much of the chaos of Christmas and we do all the traditional things. We get all the things on our list checked off. And yet we do all the things Christmas and we miss out on the person of Christmas. Can I tell you the most powerful thing that you can do this Christmas in all the chaos is to be present with Jesus. Think about this for a second. The God of the universe wants to be present with you. 
amazing that is. How awesome that is. How great that is. That God wants to spend time with you. Hang out with you. Get to know you. God is inviting you into that. And yet for most of us, we will get caught up in the season and we will miss who created Christmas. And so my challenge for you is in this Christmas season, when you wake up tomorrow morning, spend time with Jesus. Read his word. Talk to him through prayer. Let's gather together as a family on Sunday and Christmas Eve to to worship and to be in his presence. When you drive to work in the morning, worship him through song and enjoy his presence. How often are we just like our kids to God? Or we get so excited about God's gifts for us and his blessings to us, and yet we kind of send the message to God that we really don't want him. We just want all the things he provides for us. Be present with Jesus. Just like your family wants your attention, so does God. The second challenge I have for you is if God's presence is a gift to you, your presence can be a gift to others. And in a season that is all about gifts, rightfully so, right? The reason why we give gifts is because Jesus is the gift. And so we just follow the example he said. So don't apologize for buying gifts and putting them under your tree, right? That's an amazing thing. But here's what I want you to know. I'm a parent, And so I get this tension, right? I put so much pressure on myself. My my wife, Ashley, puts so much pressure on our shoulders to get the right gifts for our kids. And I think we've forgotten that maybe as parents, the greatest gift I can give my kids is me. Time with me, because here's what I know. In about a year from now, all those gifts that you spent all that money on will probably end up in your trash can. I know it's funny and then you're like, (laughs) it's not so funny. (laughs) But I can promise you one thing. They won't forget the memories they had with mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, aunt and uncle. They won't forget the traditions you had baking cookies and laughing and watching movies together. And here's how presence gets really important. It's when you can no longer be present with them. I'd give up any present under my tree to just be with my dad again, to be present with him. Because your presence matters. So maybe this Christmas, turn your cell phone off. If you can, take an extra day of vacation to be with the people that you love. Spend time with them, laugh together, make memories. And your presence doesn't just matter to your family. God has you present at work. So maybe you could be the evidence of Jesus that someone far from God needs to see. During this season is a great opportunity for us to go to work and be present to show people the joy and the peace and the hope that you have in Jesus that someone desperately needs to see. 
For some people, Christmas can be the most lonely time in all of the calendar, and maybe God wants to use your presence with them to give them hope despite the loneliness. Because presence matters. It mattered to God. That's why he is given the title Emmanuel, because God came to be present with us. And so my challenge for you in the next 15 days is first and foremost, be present with God. Walk with him, talk with him in this season. And out of your time with him, be present with the people and the relationships that you have. Let's pray together. Father, it's easy to get caught up in the busyness of the season. And so God, the season's gonna be busy. Our schedules are gonna be full. But God, in the busyness, may we be present with you. May we start our day with you. May we seek you, talk with you. And God, may we be present with the people that we love, the people you have us in with. God, may we use every opportunity we have to speak truth to people. Help us in the journey in Jesus' name, amen.